Grace and peace be to you from God our Father, from the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ, and from God the Holy Spirit. You know the story of Paul, right? How he begins as Saul, the persecutor of the church, and he becomes Paul, perhaps the greatest evangelist who ever lived. Well, in the book of Acts, we have a few of the sermons of this great missionary, or at least summaries of those sermons. But this is the only one, the one that we have today in Acts chapter 20, this is the only one that Paul preaches to an all-Christian audience. Not only was the audience entirely Christian, but it seems that the audience was made up primarily of pastors. It's a really beautiful passage. Paul is on his way back to Jerusalem, and he knows that his time of ministry, his time on this earth, for that matter, is likely drawing to a conclusion. But Paul doesn't pull up. He doesn't slow down. But he gives a great example for all of us Christians to follow. The temptation is to think, as you get older, I've done my part. I don't really have a lot to do for the church anymore. Now I can put things on cruise control, let others do the work. But Paul doesn't want to finish things out like that. Rather than being a runner who gets within the sight of the finish line and then says, oh, I'm close, I'll walk. (laughs) Paul wants to close strong, to finish strong. Paul digs deep and he presses towards the goal. Paul's on his way back to Jerusalem as he closes out his third missionary journey. And he wants to get there in time for Pentecost. He's really pressing to get there in time for Pentecost. Now, remember, Pentecost is not just a New Testament festival. It was an Old Testament festival that the the Holy Spirit then turns into a New Testament festival. Fifty days after Passover, people would gather in Jerusalem for this harvest celebration. And so Paul wants to get there in time for Pentecost, probably because he knows there's going to be a lot of people there from all over the world, and he's got a great opportunity to preach the gospel to them, and for them then to bring the good news back home from where they've come. But presently, Paul's in Miletus. The ship he was a passenger on, had gone to port. Maybe they needed to restock. Maybe they had gone there to trade. We don't really know exactly, but he's there. He can't press on towards Jerusalem just yet. So he sends for the Ephesian elders. Ephesus is about a day's journey away, about a a hard day's walk, about 30 miles or so. And Paul doesn't just go back up to Ephesus himself, probably because the last time he was there, there was rioting because of him. (laughs) You might remember this in in Acts chapter 19. We hear about how Paul uh, is in Ephesus. He's been serving there. And just this huge riot across the city breaks out. And at the end of it, Paul ends up leaving town, probably for the safety of the Christians who are there. So instead of Paul going back to Ephesus himself, he he sends for the Ephesian elders. Now note here, elders here is another word for pastors. 
He sends for the pastors, for the shepherds of God's sheep. And when the pastors of Ephesus arrive, Paul then preaches just this beautiful farewell sermon to them. And really, the sermon he has here, it's like a miniature version of of his epistle to Titus. It just sums up the whole thing right there. You yourselves know, he begins, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul had been amongst the Ephesians for about three years. They knew him. They knew his character. They knew he had been faithful, even in the face of really, really harsh opposition, even when his name was being slandered, even when he was being threatened physically. And through all of this, Paul had continued to faithfully proclaim the whole counsel of God. He had faithfully taught the word of God, and now he's telling the Ephesian elders Now it's your time to continue to do this as well. He goes on. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Paul's going to Jerusalem. Now, in some way, shape, or form, the Holy Spirit has made it clear to Paul that their imprisonment and affliction awaits. So why is Paul going to Jerusalem? (laughs) Well, because that's where the Lord is directing him to go. And because Paul is a disciple of Jesus. And he understands a disciple is not greater than the master. Sometimes when we walk in the ways of Jesus, it's going to mean persecution. Jesus had made this very, very clear to his disciples. And he said, as they've done to me, they're going to do to you as well. And Paul understood this and he wasn't shrinking from it. He was going to finish strong. He continues, but I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Paul really truly believed this was the last time he was going to see these pastors, these men whom he had trained to be pastors, these men with whom he had shared his life. And now Paul doubles down on the things he taught them all along. He says, Now, 
Continue to proclaim the whole counsel of God. Continue to be faithful in the ministry that the Lord Jesus has called you to. Verse 28, he continues. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Paul says, pay careful attention. First, he says, though, pay careful attention to yourselves. See, if a pastor's not spiritually healthy, he's not going to be of much use to the flock. So Paul indicates that these pastors ought first to pay careful attention to their own walk with the Lord and consider, am I being faithful in my devotions and prayers? Are they confessing their sins? Are they receiving forgiveness? Are they modeling what the Christian life ought to look like? careful attention to yourselves and to the flock. See, the task that these men have been entrusted with is the same task Paul, that, that, that uh, Peter had been entrusted with by Jesus in the reading last week we heard in the gospel. Feeding and caring for God's people. Shepherds are given to protect the sheep. And sometimes the danger, oftentimes the danger, in fact, doesn't come from outside, but from within. False teachers who would exploit God's people. These dangers, they generally don't come from outside of the church. They generally come from within. This is why pastors make such a big deal about examining everything that happens in the church, the music, the Sunday school material, the kinds of books in the library. Everything matters. Because the pastors are tasked with protecting the flock. Paul concludes his sermon in this way. And now I commend you to God. And to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you by my working hard in this way that we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul makes clear here. Pastors are not lords. They're not lords who rule over the church. They are servants who oversee the church, but also work right alongside of the members of the church. It's not a pastor over people, but pastor amongst people, with the people. Yeah, the pastor has a specific role that God has given, but... That role is not to be a lord over the people, but a servant of God 
in and amongst the people caring for them. I love how Paul commends the, the Ephesian elders here to God and to the word of his grace. The same thing that these pastors are being given by Paul is the same thing that they are now to give to their congregations. They are to live by faith, empowered by the word, and they are to proclaim that same message to their people. There's always a temptation, though, to think that new ways are necessary. Oh, sure, preaching and administering the sacraments, that's the way the church grew in the past. It won't work in our day. I can't tell you how many books and articles I've read that say basically that, or uh, talks that I've heard that try to tell us that. The church has to change or die. Well, people have been saying that for 2,000 years. (laughs) Well, the, the church has no chance here. There's no way. And, well, humanly speaking, they would be right. But, of course, the Lord is behind all of this and at work through all of this. The church needs to be faithful. We need to hold fast to the word of grace and to make it known. We need to believe that Jesus has purchased us with his blood and that proclaiming the good news of Jesus is the way by which the church is going to grow. This is the way that God has grown the church in the past, growing it from a small group of Judean fishermen, right? Here, I'm going to build my church with these guys, these guys that ran away when the going got tough. And have no uh, theological training other than, well, I, they were with me for three years. They, they don't have any credentials. I'm going to grow it from this to millions of people in a few generations. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, they're going to go out and they're going to tell people. <laughs> they're, going to, they're going to tell people about this God who became man, who died and rose again. And people are going to believe it and come to faith. That's how it's going to happen. And that's exactly how it did happen. They went out, they told people about Jesus. They told them the truth. Christ has died and Christ has risen and he reigns. He is king. He's going to return. He is the good shepherd. So walk with him, follow him. And people did. See, Paul understood this is the power, right? The gospel message is the power. The church didn't depend on him. He could be arrested, he could be killed, but the church would continue because the head of the church has already died and is risen and will never die again. This is why Paul could be so bold. He knew Jesus. (laughs) This is why we can be bold. We know Jesus and we know the promises that he's made. The gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Now, after Paul has preached this beautiful message, something maybe even more beautiful happens. And we don't get it in our pericope. They cut it off. It's just, they, they should have included this part. They cut it off. I don't know why. Probably the reading was already too long, right? But instead, I'm going to finish it off here because it's, it's just a beautiful thing that happens. At verse 36, and when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. And they embraced Paul and kissed him and being sorrowful, most of all because of the word he had spoken, that 
they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. <laughs> After he's done, what do they do? They, they pray together, and then they ugly cry together, right? And, and if you've been a part of a Christian community, and then you've had to move, you've had to leave, and, and you, you have just this, this love for these people, or you know somebody that has had to leave from your community, it hurts, doesn't it? It's painful, and they, they're, they're feeling this. And there are these, these tears of sorrow. But mixed in here is also these tears of, of hope. Because they know, well, we're never going to see his face again. That's what they think, right? What they mean is, in this life. <clears throat> He's going off to Jerusalem. He's probably going to die, and we're never going to see him again. That's what they're thinking. But even in the midst of this, they understand, yeah, 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 he goes off, but we will see him again. Because that's the promise we have in Jesus. That's what Paul told us about, and that's what we're telling everybody else about, the hope that we have in Jesus. And that, that hope sustains us. So we have this, this close bond that God gives us with our brothers and sisters in Christ. He brings us together, and when one of us has to leave, it, it is painful. Because we don't want to be separated. We want to be together as the body. And one day we will be brought together as the body of Christ, never to be separated again. These Ephesian elders knew that because of the grace of God, because of the word that Paul had proclaimed to them, the same word they were going to proclaim to the people, the same word of grace that I get to proclaim to you week after week after week, there is hope. Because Jesus lives, everlasting life is yours, and eternity together as the family of God is ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.